What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. Will you be my Valentine Kalal? And we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? You know, Graham, it's going fantastic. Good to be back here. We had a, a much needed week off to, you know, just refresh. And, you know, I just somewhat entertaining that. You know, it's Valentine's Day. We're both married men. Do you want a podcast? Hell yeah, today? <laughs> <laughs> No problems on our end. Well, so. it's funny, too, because I figured, uh, you know, when I texted you about it, I was like, well, clearly, I guess tonight is off. So I was like, you know, could you do Wednesday? Could you do Thursday? Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's got to be either tonight or tomorrow. And I was like, fuck, I'll do tonight. We're not doing anything. Hell yeah. Yeah, we, so. we, we technically went out for a little dinner last night. Okay. You know, the old... Get it before the crowds. Your pre-Valentine's. Type That's smart. Deal. Yeah, That's yeah. Smart. So, so that was nice. But yeah, left me wide open and, you know, just ready to talk some baseball with you, Graham. Yes, finally. Like, I think, look, you know, pitchers and catchers have reported. So let's talk some baseball. We got some Hawks to catch up on. We do. Some shit has gone down since the last time we uh, attempted to talk. And, you know, this is – I look at this as like our first true show – of 2023 i would agree with that. granted it's the middle of february <laughs> so you know maybe maybe don't put those the last three or four on the you know the best of atlanta zone no but we're, we're ready to bring it to you now and uh let's jump right into some baseball yeah, Graham. that's what people listen to us for so let's let's do it uh pigskin podcast network sorry about that anyway oh yeah football season's over football season's over so uh, we've got to talk about something right right right, right. yeah falcons off season we'll, we'll discuss later once something happens and uh congratulations to the kansas city chiefs i suppose yeah they won the super bowl Mahomes is second um very it was a really good game it was very entertaining um the, the holding call hurt around the world you know affected the game in the fourth quarter but as we were talking about before the show the eagles did blow a 10-point lead yeah that, that was a shame that it came down to that though you would have yes. loved to see the eagles get the ball with a little bit of time yeah, just to see what would have happened um, but um that's the way it goes but no that was a very enjoyable game um NFL doesn't do everything right. It's hilarious. The field was so shitty. Yeah, you know? yeah. So the, the field. Did you hear all the details of that field? I it was haven't like, heard the details. It was like some like crazy hybrid grass that was supposed to be like the toughest grass ever. It's the first time it was ever used on that field. They would literally like roll it up and take it outside every day for like weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. But it's just like it's not like. It's real grass, but it's not real. Like it's not like actually a part of the ground. Yeah, if you're rolling it up, it ain't real. Yeah. No. So it's just it's just ridiculous that players had to like change out their cleats all the time and you know they have all the money to spend and they spent a lot of money, but you know, they would have been better off playing like at the practice field at Lakeside High School. Maybe. You know, because it's real grass. Sure. You know? Yeah, I, I like that that's the only option. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting extremes out there. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Or even yeah, something like that. I don't know. I, the field was one thing, but I thought the the thing that was really interesting to me about that game was just the high powered offenses, this this shootout, and how Mahomes played on one leg again. He, he's just a freak. Well, they taped him up. He got a really good tape job back in the locker room, and he was just good to go, even though he was like grimacing. Yeah, I, I bet that big run he had in the fourth quarter, like that twenty-five yard run or whatever. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, if he wasn't hurt, he probably would have scored a damn touchdown on that. I mean, it was just impressive what he was doing all night. He's one of the all-time greats now, officially. I think. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, you know, 
sucks to be Philly right now. You lose the World Series and the Super Bowl. In would you rather three months? Three would you months rather be Philadelphia and have gotten to those two games and lost, or just be us where we're at right now? I'd rather be. Keep in mind that we also just won the World Series. I would. Okay, well, because the World is the 2021 World Series still included. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just the context. Yeah, a thousand percent. I'd rather go to the big dance and lose than be sitting on my ass not caring about you know the Super Bowl really. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'd rather have done that, even though it would have sucked to have gone back to back crushing defeats. At least you almost went the distance. I guess it's tough. Tough to get back there, man. It really is. We all know this. They lost their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator now. Yeah, things really change um, instantly, really fast. I mean, that was like with us. You know, we lost Shanahan right after we lost the Super Bowl, and that changed that offense forever. Changed the franchise. Changed the franchise. Um, it was one of the many things that that changed in the franchise. But uh, yeah, it was. But you know, we moved past that. We're in a different regime now with the Falcons, and uh, football is over. Yes. Sorry, sorry for the side note. No, man. it's fine. I think it's okay to touch put, on that. Put me back on uh, on track here. Yeah, so now pitchers and catchers are reporting. You got plenty of other guys reporting early. Sean Murphy, Ron Acuna, Ozzy Albies. Uh, Chipper Jones is officially back as a hitting consultant, though he has not reported yet. He'll be reporting, in a, uh, I think, next week. So, uh, it's cool going on Twitter every once in a while today and checking out, uh, Hey man, you know, there's Mike Harris swinging in the cage. There's Ronald swinging in the cage, hearing about Sean Murphy catching Charlie Morton. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing really like super newsworthy yet, but it's just exciting seeing guys taking the field and getting ready for the season. I want to talk a little bit about these rule changes that are going to be in place this upcoming year. Okay. ESPN had a really good article on it a couple weeks ago. And I'm actually pretty excited about some of these, Graham. You know, first and foremost being the pitch clock. So every pitcher, and this is like they've been doing this in the minor leagues for a couple of years now, testing it out at different levels. And now every pitcher has 15 seconds between each pitch with nobody on base, and then it bumps up to 20 Mm -hmm. with somebody on base. And they can only throw to first twice. So I did not know about that last thing you just said. Yes. That's wild. Yeah, so after you throw over there twice, you that's know, it. That's it. That so what baseball is doing with all these rule changes to me again is emphasizing offense. It's also bringing back base stealing to the game. I think with the bigger bases with only being able to throw over there twice, um a bigger emphasis is going to be put on guys stealing bases because that hasn't been a thing really for a while. Like you used to get multiple people stealing 30 plus bases. Now it's only a select few. Um, and you know, I'll have advanced analytics for saying stealing bases is too risky. So people just started cutting down on that shit. Now it's It's going to bump up. Uh, hell yeah. Big time. I and mean, yeah, the shorter base pass with the bigger bases as yeah. well. Uh, plus <clears throat> with the limiting the throw over. So I think a big part of their goal is to, not only obviously speed up the games with the pitch clock, but also just kind of emphasizing the athleticism of these players. So like with the shift as well to where you're going to get to see these shortstops and second basements really get after it again, instead of having Austin Riley, like sitting right there in the gap to field that little grounder uh, between the first and second baseman. Right. 
Now, so, here's the fascinating thing to me, though. It's like I think baseball is being a little contradictory with their with their rule changes in terms of if they want to speed up the game, these things conflict with each other to me. So if you want to speed up the game, pitch clock makes sense. But banning the shift, uh, making bigger bases, and limiting well, throwovers, even though, yeah, it should technically speed up the game, that, that latter piece, it's going to collide. Because there's going to be more offense, games are going to go longer. A lot longer. Innings are going to go longer, I think. I don't think they're going to counterbalance each other, I think. And my, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but just thinking about it, it seems like games might get longer because there will be more offense because there is no shift in particular. And there will be more base stealing. Um, and things will just happen faster, a little faster. But I think there's going to be more offense in the game, dramatically more than we've seen in quite some time. I understand what you're saying, but the data doesn't back it up. Like minor league games were like 25 to 30 minutes shorter. That's great. I yeah. Hope that's yeah. So like, I mean, you know, averaging like two and a half hours versus right. MLB games right now, which are like, it used to be three hours was the number. Right. Now it's three and a half. Yeah. Sometimes so, longer. And so if you look, if you look at the Braves, uh, that this is going to affect, it's like guys like Strider, he, his, uh, he's been averaging like 16. Yeah. So he's fine. 17 seconds, so that's not much. Yeah. But it's like, thank God we don't have Kenley Jansen anymore. He was like last in baseball. Like 45 like, seconds he, he was, or I mean, he was taking 30-plus seconds. Yeah. And A.J. Minter is also like, it's going to be a big adjustment for him. He was one of these very, very slow-to-the-plate guys. He's 28 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, Kyle Wright was talking about this. He says it's not really going to be much of an issue for him. He kind of likes getting to that routine anyways. Sure. And, it, and I think it was Kranich that was saying it's like part of it – could be good for a lot of pitchers because it gives you less time to get in your head. Right. Like the more you're slowing down, the more you're thinking, you're overanalyzing, you're trying to be too just like fine. Yeah. Like so you've got to have a big – You've got to go. You have to have a strategy too. Think about also how it's going to affect uh, calling games from a catching perspective. Like pitchers and catchers, I mean, they're they're you know already on the same page most of the time with, with how they're going to attack hitters, but you really got to know what pitch am I going to throw in, in terms of what the situation is. 2-1 with – uh, I'm trying to think of a baseball player that's not on the Braves, but two one. I'm thinking about Juan Pierre with Juan Pierre. <laughs> yeah, I know two one with Bryce Harper up. What are you throwing? Like we don't have time to go dick around and go through a bunch of signals. Maybe two. Like you got you got to really be on it, man. What's the penalty if someone does not pitch the ball within the parameters of the pitch clock? A ball, really. Or if a batter is not in the box, the batter also has a certain amount of time to get so in the box. Get a strike. If they're not ready, that's a strike. I like that there's consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I figured there was. I just didn't know. I'm actually pretty, like, I, I'd kind of, I feel like I'd kind of taken the lazy approach of, no, no, just don't mess with it, blah, 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 blah. You we're just appealing to the young kids. But then, like, and maybe this article was, like, propaganda. I don't know. But, like, it just, like, seeing the, the stats laid out there. And, like, also, like, so, for the Braves, like, some of the guys with the fastest pitch times, like, last year were Kyle Muller, Bryce Elder. Because they were already in AAA, right, and the rules were instigated, right. There. So they were they were used to that already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember loving watching Bryce Elder pitch. It's like yeah, he was really good when he like he had that huge stretch of games against uh, the, the Marlins. Marlins. It's like every <laughs> every like week he'd come up. Yeah, I think he only Marlins. faced the Marlins and Marlins and Nationals, but it was like watching Greg Maddox a game where it's like, oh shit, it's the ninth inning. Already, it's been two hours fifteen minutes. Yeah, this that, is fantastic. Yeah. Like. I think it's got a lot of potential to do do good and kind of make the game a little more interesting. Yeah, and if it if the I mean that's great that the minor league data backs up that it is making the games faster. I wonder how that will translate to the the, the professional level 
And I also wonder how it will affect, not necessarily hitters, but pitchers especially, like with their routines. It's a good thing they have time in spring training to work through all this stuff um, because it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute to get adjusted. And you've been used to doing something and you haven't been in the minors for a while, especially like veteran guys like a Charlie Morton. He's probably like, fuck this shit. You know, I'm 40 years old. I don't want to be dealing with that. Yeah. I already got a guy on a podcast who says I'm the worst road pitcher in baseball. <laughs> now I got to deal with a pitch clock? Yeah, yeah. Good Lord. Times are strange. There weren't even podcasts back when Charlie Morton started no. his career. No, not at all. So, um, yeah, it will be cool to watch. And it'll actually make – Brave Spring Training is going to be interesting with the you know some of the position battles they have, particularly at shortstop. But it will also be really cool to watch or listen how you consume spring training. Um and see how the rule changes are really affecting guys and how where uh, people are going to start adjusting to it. Um, I think I, I am fine with all the rule changes except being the shift. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world to be in the shift to put yourself at a statistical disadvantage um, against the hitters. It just doesn't make sense to me. But it, you know, it's the, everyone's working with the same rules. So. Right. It's not like some one team can't do that. It just feels, whereas these other rules, um, like a pitch clock, especially feels progressive taking away the shift feels regressive. And then I'm wondering also how that's going to affect advanced analytics in terms of how uh, these front offices are really gathering their data. It's like, what are you going to do? There's no more really someone, getting data on guys. Someone's anymore. losing some jobs. Some some sabermetrics nerds out there. And well, with- I think they'll be able to do other things. I doubt like that's the only thing the sabermetric, sabermetric nerds are focused on because there's all this other stuff. Um, all these other stats and whatnot that they have to worry about, but this as a, that was a critical component, particularly of what led the Braves to become the World Champions in 2021 was their when they started utilizing the shift more in 2021, which was the first time we really really laid into it and were hardcore about it. That helped our defense so much, and now you're not going to have that. So, well, and you know, not to mention for the Braves with this shortstop battle that we got going on, like is. Grissom's defense gonna be adequate we know it's not gonna be as good as as Dansby no. we, we know that um but you know without having the shift to kind of hide him like he's gonna have to be you know at least an average shortstop or we might just turn to Arcia because of the defense who knows Ugh. I mean it's it's a battle in uh spring training for sure obviously no one's been given the job no but uh that's a factor I really hope you feel good with Ozzy at second yeah Ozzy will be fine um, maybe you can flex Austin into the hole a little bit more, maybe. Maybe, but you, you really cannot. You do not have the liberty to uh, move around as much as you did before, which you knew. But I mean, at least you can move over a little bit. But it's 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 very limited. You you can bring an outfielder into the infield. I did want, not know that. If you wanted to do that, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Not that cool. that comes into play often, but yeah. you know, it could. Yeah, I wonder if there's going to be a thing. I mean, okay, imagine this, Adam. Imagine a playoff series. It's three and two. The uh, you've got bases loaded. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. One of the most you know cliched uh, scenarios you can think of. The relief pitcher on the on the on the damn mound does not pitch the ball in a certain amount of time, just because maybe he was I don't know he's thinking about the scenario and everything, and he's trying to think about what pitch he's going to throw, and then pitch clock violation. Runner from third comes in and the game's over because of a pitch clock violation. Shit like that's going to happen. And it's going to be fucking weird. Yeah, I had to kind of do a little quick research. I guess it would be advanced research while you were... I saw where you are going there, Graham. 
And I, in my head, I was like, surely they're not doing that in the playoffs. But they are. Oh, you got it. I mean, I think the pitch clock, you have to. I'm really happy that they will be doing away with that damn ghost runner in the playoffs and extra innings. But, yeah, I think the pitch clock, you got to just keep I that thought they going. were keeping that. They're keeping it for the regular season. But I think the playoffs, not sure. I guess 100%. But I saw today that there was something that says regular season, yes, ghost runner stays. Okay. Playoffs doesn't seem like it is. I don't think they did that last year. I, I can't either. look something up twice in a row, so we're just going to go with That's it. That's fine. But, um, um, no, that would be wild. Yeah. That, wouldn't that be crazy if, like, a division or a World Series Game 7 is decided by a pitch clock violation? I think the umpire has some discretion. It's kind of like the play clock in football, right? On whether or not to call it. So you would be the... Hopefully they're like, just don't do it. Just don't just do it shut in up. that, that shut situation. Up. Yeah. Unless it's, like, a 20-second violation, yeah. then it's like, okay, fine, you know, whatever. But if it's, like, a half second and the guy's like, goes into his delivery, it's like, come on. Yeah. I think they have some discretion Yeah. There. Yeah, I'm sure it would be weird for the umpires too to to adjust to this stuff too. I wonder who who is looking at the pitch clock. Is it the crew chief? Can't be the home plate umpire because he's got he's got to watch too much stuff. Um, it's got to be someone in the field, I would think, is looking at the. Or they have a microphone. Uh, no, they have a buzzer. That's what they have. Oh, they have it's a, a wristband oh, that buzzes. Yeah. Okay. So Technology it's all automated. Automated. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's good that they have something else to do before this. Uh, automatic umpire comes into play they, yeah. they kind of need to justify their job still I'm sure and that's the thing too that's gonna be interesting is when like the robot umpires are happening in the minor leagues correct I think like like super like low yeah. a ball or yeah. something it'll be the next thing so I, I imagine in the next 10 years or so we will have robot umpires yeah it's nuts um but those are the rule changes it seems like we're overall in favor for favor of of them. I'm still very. Are you still anti shift being whacked, or are you just you, you've accepted it? I'm okay with it. I, I I do hate seeing my team get a clutch hit up the middle, and then someone's standing right there. And I realize it goes both ways. Yeah, but it's just like you know, we grew up playing baseball. We didn't have a shift. Sure. Shortstop played at shortstop. Sure. Second base. Played at second base. I also base. think that you have the freedom to do whatever you want. If you want to align people like that, I think one of the coolest things in baseball is being able to beat the shift when someone beats it. It's awesome. And then it makes them, it makes the people who try to shift just like, oh, if you just would have played normal baseball, you know, it would have been fine. I tell you what, man, Matt it's, Olson might have a huge year. He, he got robbed by like, I think, 48 or 50 hits or something last year because of the <laughs> really? shift. That's wild. So, I mean, yeah. I think, like I said, offense is going to blow the hell up this season. Yep. More so than we've seen maybe in the last, I don't know, 15, maybe not 15 years, but I think in the last 10 years or so, offense is going to go up. It's kind of like a fresh look for MLB. It's like they, yeah. they kind of need to rebrand a little bit, catch up to, you know, yeah. length of NBA and NFL games. and Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. I think another last thing I'll talk about with this, these changes is, you know, a pitcher's not going to have enough time to really step off the, the rubber and, and kind of reevaluate things, take a breath. I mean – I guess you do, but you got to get right back on that sucker. Like, I mean, if I'm a pitcher, pardon me, it's just kind of like, I'm going to catch the ball and maybe I'll step off for a second, step off the rubber, but I ain't going to, you know, walk around or anything. There's not enough time to do that. There's just going to be all these little things, the routine that are just going to really drive people nuts, yeah. I think. And people are really going to have to get adjusted to this shit fast. So, like you said, though, it's a fresh look. If there's one sport within the four American professional sports that needs a facelift. It's definitely baseball. Baseball is 
consistently the lowest rated. I think it's a little higher rated overall than NHL. But baseball lags so far behind base, it uh, basketball help, and football. It doesn't help that it's so hard to watch as well. Yeah, you have to be like indoctrinated into baseball to really, really like it, I think. No, I'm talking about on TV. Oh, well, sure. And I think There's it's that. only getting harder, like Valley Sports. I know there was some deal. that I don't know the They details. might be bankrupt. They're supposed to, they might be going into bankruptcy, so it's it's kind of like. But 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 baseball teams should do. Is, have their own TV broadcast. And just charge people a fee every month. There's ten bucks, fifteen no. bucks a month to watch the Braves. No, I'd be fine with that. Then I wouldn't have to have cable anymore, Adam. It'd be great. I know you're a moocher, so you don't have to worry about that. But for us hardworking, tax-paying Americans, <laughs> you know, the cable bill sucks. So do you think more people would watch if you had to specifically pay $10 for one channel versus like a cable package? Yes, I would. I know I would. You're not more people. I'm not more people, but I I hate having to buy cable to watch the Hawks and to watch the Braves. I liked YouTube TV when it was 60 bucks and I had the Braves and the Hawks and I had a bunch of other shit but cable even YouTube TV is getting too expensive now it's like 80 bucks a month yeah that's it's, it's cable basically yeah so I don't want it I don't watch a lot of TV if I, most TV I watch is streaming shit so give me another streaming thing just add on to my pile of streaming crap that I watch most of the time and it's well maybe they could do that it. on the side do that on the side yeah, and still work with cable that's companies. fine yeah that's fine but the problem is the Sinclair the Sinclair stuff Supposedly they're going into they're about to go into bankruptcy and it's going to like destroy all these regional sports networks. That doesn't that's sound, the big rumor. That doesn't sound right promising. Now. No, so it's like if that happens, I would not be surprised if baseball was like, you know, or MLB TV is great. Well, I've heard Apple TV. Yeah, or partner with Apple, partner with Amazon, partner with some. Then you got to buy Apple TV, I guess. Right. You know, but streaming is the future. So embrace it. Some of us, uh, you know, less tech savvy people aren't going to know how that works. Do I have to have an Apple TV to watch Apple, Apple TV? Apple TV is like five bucks. No, it's just like an app. It's like a Netflix. Uh, it's like a Netflix. The Netflix, you say? The Netflix. Okay. Or the Amazon. Is that the the thing with like the kiosks and the DVDs? You know, that took over for Blockbuster. Yeah, that's the Netflix. That's, that's the Netflix. Okay. You got the DVDs mail in the mail. Yeah. I mean, Apple TV would actually be pretty decent their cameras because they do friday night baseball games and you get ted lasso with that subscription sure you get ted lasso severance is supposed to be great okay um i haven't watched severance but i heard it's awesome um but yeah there's supposedly quality programming finally happening on apple now and then if you got baseball i mean like i remember watching some of the friday night baseball they did and i was like man these guys have the best cameras in, in major league baseball this shit is great we'll watch them one way or another yeah um things you're looking for in spring training the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, yeah, obviously the shortstop battle, the left field battle. I'm I'm looking at. I know you you think Rosario's toast. I'm excited to see him play. He's in the World Baseball Classic this year, mm-hmm. playing for Team Puerto Rico, which I think is going to be fantastic for him. Get him hyped up a little bit. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. just get his reps in. Like last year was just like I mean he had the eye thing obviously, and then it was just like an uphill battle trying to turn back into Super Rosario and yeah. like going to play for Puerto Rico. I feel like that like no exactly like you said get him get him back into like that postseason gear early. Uh, I think it's his job to lose in left field. Yeah, considering you know, the competition. Well, you know I think this Jordan Luplo guy like he's. A, He's a name. He's a bench player at best. Pilar is interesting. Like I've al- I've always had a soft spot for Kevin Pilar. He's a 
you know, great defense, fast, top of the order type of guy. Yeah, but, I feel like Pilar will. I don't think Luplo will be on the team. I think Pilar beats him out. We'll see. I, I, Luplo's like arm is incredible. His defense is incredible, and like we kind of have this. This lineup is so stacked that we have like the ability to have like you know a couple defensive minded guys at the bottom of our lineup sure like we don't need every single guy to be a complete stud if he hits a little bit right but the problem is adam you also have marcelo zuna who you're paying you're gonna pay him 37 and a half million dollars to ride the bench well see that's that's the other thing i'm looking for is to see i think this ozuna thing gets resolved hopefully he's just kicked off the team like he's just dfa'd anthopolis has been making the rounds on interviews and when whenever he's asked about him he's not confident he, he's very clear to say look you know it's an open competition. Obviously, Marcel had a bad year last year. Obviously, he is still around because of his bat. We're not going to take any, um, you know, financial salary considerations into the decisions we make on the field. And That's like, good. he's even brought up the fact that like Grossman came in as supposed to be a platoon guy last year, and then he's like starting because he outplayed him. So Snit's going to make those decisions, and especially with having Murphy and Darno as DH options, you know. I think Marcel's really got to earn this. I hope so. Like, that's the thing, too. It's like if, if the primary objective is right to keep Murphy and Darno fresh down the stretch, um, there is no room for Marcel Azuna considering where he has been playing. Marcel's going to have to turn back into 2020 Marcel. Or maybe not even be that good, but, you know, he's got to be at least serviceable to be worthy of consideration. We know his defense isn't going to be very good. The question for him now is, is can his offense come back? And I don't see indication that it will because it hasn't come back in two years. So how's it going to just another year older? How's it going to get any better at this point? Yeah, no, I think this is the year. If by like end of April, May, if it's just not happening, cut him. Yeah, yeah. I hope I hope you're right. Um, and we've made enough money to just say, all right, this is a thirty million. We got to pay the rest of this contract. Screw it. I mean, it's just two years left at this point. You yeah. know, so hopefully you win some you lose some yeah not every deal is gonna be perfect we were both in favor of this deal and i think the majority of braves fans were in favor of this this extension when it happened i i doubt you would find any if you round up people in 2020 uh at the end of the season and you were like do you want to bring marcelo zuna back i'm sure 90 maybe not 90 percent but 80 percent if you ask 10 people i'm sure 80 percent would be like oh hell yeah you had a great year yeah no yeah. i'm sure there's audio out there of you screaming saying you gotta bring marcel oh, yeah. back if you don't you're a loser i won't i won't deny it and i remember yeah. also saying what happened i was like anthopolis showing that he actually wants to win this season yeah and little did he know the biggest off-season movie made had no impact at all on the, the <laughs> winning the world series yeah. just goes to show how crazy baseball is um okay so left field what about pitching um yeah you know i'm excited about the ian right. anderson mike yeah. soroka battle there and Keep it in mind, both of them have options as well. So, I think Bryce al Elder, along with Elder as well. Yeah, he's I mean, going to come in and challenge for that. Hell yeah, he might. He might win the damn thing. And you know, just whoever comes out of camp with that, that doesn't mean that's who's going to keep it all year. No, I think all three of those guys will get play. Maybe one of them rises to the top, and all three of them will, will pitch this season for uh, in the big league club. I think uh, as long as their health is good, as long as their health is good. And that's still if Mike Soroka can be anywhere close to what he was before he had that first Achilles tear. You're talking about, you know, Troy Morton's your fifth pitcher at that point, and you are stacked. You can compete 
you can already compete with any staff in, in, in baseball, but now that puts you over the top. That makes you as one of the better, like that, that, that is like a top three staff in the game. If, if you got Wright, uh, Freed, Strider, and Soroka as your, your first four pitchers, Jesus, God, and they are all pitching to their ability, man alive. I mean, think about it this way. Like, every year we kind of have that one or two guys that come out of absolutely nowhere to be a huge role on our team, like last year, Strider, Michael Harris as well. So just this year we have the ability to have that out-of-nowhere guy be Soroka or Ian Anderson, like two people we know are capable of having success in the majors. But, like, at this point it's kind of just like, yeah, maybe they'll be serviceable at five, but, like, they could both be ones or twos. Sure. So it's great. it's a it's a good position to be in. Yeah. Maybe they all flame out. Elder takes it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. we have to make a trade. Maybe. Hopefully you don't. We can't maybe, really maybe trade Colby Allard else. takes it. We, yeah, I, I doubt that. But, yeah, we can't really trade anybody else at this point. So I hope one of those guys steps up. We've kind of traded all our prospects to Oakland the last two years. The biggest thing I'm, I'm excited about is Von Grissom seeing what he's going to do with this opportunity he's been given. It's, in my opinion, it's his job to lose. Um, because he, we just don't, and the reason for that is is because he hasn't really played that much. And the hype is around him to come in and get that job and be the starting shortstop for the next however many years. And if he doesn't, you know, that would be, that, that's going to really F up our, our defense. Like, I think the season a lot of the season is resting on his shoulders, which is unfair. That's the position he's in. He's got to step up. Like, Arcia is perfectly serviceable and an okay player. But Von Grissom has potential to be a great player, I think. We saw what he could do with the bat, even though it was a limited time and he went through a slump and he couldn't figure things out down the stretch. And uh, he seemed to be a pretty solid defensive second baseman. But now, being the shortstop... That's just so much extra defense, and then you wonder how his offense is going to respond to that too. It's going to be fascinating to watch what well, Ron Grissom does this year. Keep in mind that shortstop's his natural position. Like, that's, that's good. So he had to come up and learn second base. Right, and he did a very admirable job doing that. Yeah, so it's – you know, I'm excited to see him. Like, you know, he's 6'3", got that lanky frame. Yeah, and he could bulk up a little bit too. I mean, yeah. I think I think this kid's – and he's like, what, like 19 or 20? Yeah. Potential is all there to be an absolute hoss. Um, and, and, but you, you know they're going to like – he would have to like really be crushing it with the bat for like his defense to be off and them continue to play him because like they really value defense at shortstop. Yes, so they do. like if if he is not getting it done, if it's time working with Wash, um, a a if Wash had already said like nah, he's not ready, this ain't gonna work. Then like, we probably move, move, move him to the outfield. Right. But like the fact that he's still like after his offseason workouts with Washington, that he's still like you know should win the job. It's a good sign. Yeah. How great is it for us that Ron Washington, even though sometimes I do get on him for his third base coaching decisions, sometimes sending guys, maybe when he shouldn't, is still part of the organization. I thought for sure he was going to yeah. be, you know, uh, nipped away and, and, and become a head coach somewhere. This whole staff, it's crazy. They've all been together since what, like 2017? Washington, Eric Young, well, I think Walt Weiss. Walt Weiss and uh, Ron Washington came over the year, it was 2018. It was when the run of division titles started. Yeah. Um, this new run of division titles. I remember we went to that thing. Remember we went to the Braves Fest and we watched interviews. It was like Walt, got Q&A with Walt Weiss and Ron mm-hmm. Washington and Eric Young. And I was just like, this is interesting bringing in these guys. 
I, I didn't really have like a thought about about it, but I was like, I remember, you know, Ron Washington's had a lot of success everywhere he went, and he is just there is not one player in this organization that's anything negative to say about Ron Washington. He is revered. He has helped so many guys get so much better defensively. Um, I'm so glad he's still part of, of this team. And, and by all accounts, Walt Weiss is a great. EY Senior has been great. I mean, this is a great – I'll just keep saying great. It's a great coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. No, I mean, it, it's led to a lot of stability, able to, like, handle losing, you know, some of the legends. Like, well, Freddie's a legend. Freddie's a legend. I'm not yeah. going to call Dansby a legend. Dansby was a, a centerpiece of this franchise. Yeah. But I think we're going to be able to replace his leadership – and that's one thing Anthopoulos was talking about is like, it's not about one guy. Like you build, no. like you put a lot of good personalities and characters into a single room. Someone else is going to step up and be a more vocal leader than they have been in the past. Yeah. We don't know who that is. Like, is it time for Ronald to be that guy? I don't think that's Ronald's personality as much. Yeah. Ronald's kind of. Ozzy for sure. I think. Ozzy is the guy I'm looking to. And I said that. I was saying I was thinking Ozzy would kind of be the leader with with the, uh, without Freddie last year, but Dansby did a great job doing that. And Ozzy was out most of the year, unfortunately, last year. But I think Ozzy can step up and do that. Ozzy had Ozzy holds everybody accountable. Cunha is like his best buddy in the world. But remember, he was going nuts on him when he wasn't hustling out of the box in that 2019 Division Series against St. Louis. So he is Ozzy is leadership material. All accounts, I also heard Sean Murphy is leadership material. Darno has always been a, yeah. a good leader in the clubhouse. Um, Morton, you know, I think the guys are there for leaders to step up. There might be someone else that uh, I'm not thinking of that might that might step up and, and be a leader. I could see, I don't think it's this year, but I could see in the next three or four years Mike Harris becoming yeah. uh, a leader of this franchise. I mean, I think he has just got all the intangibles, super smart guy, hell of a player. Um, so, you know, Austin Riley, you, know, you just go down the list. There's tons of guys that can that – can, we're stacked, Graham. We are stacked. We're stacked in players and leadership we potential. We should, once again, be competing for a World Series. I mean, Vegas odds put us number one. Oh, really? Yeah. No. I mean, Vegas odds I take a little more seriously than like What's that thing that ESPN everybody rankings. freaks out about uh, that came out? It was either today or yesterday. I don't know. Um, it's like sporting it's news? Like Pet or? Choreo or something. There's some baseball. That's probably not it. Um, yeah, it's not Pet Choreo. Let's see. <laughs> Let me just look up. Picota, P-E-C-O-T-A, projects Braves for 92 wins, second place finish in NL East. Mm. Um, they're, the, they're the people that look at all the advanced analytics and everybody and all this shit. And, well, throw the analytics out the window this year. Yeah, exactly. Well, with, the, with the rule changes. Yeah, with the rule changes. There's some you can't, but, you know, especially when you're talking about pool hitters and stuff. And What did they predict us at last year? Uh, I think they predicted us to finish second again. Okay. I mean, they only predicted us to get like 84 wins or something last year. Yeah, insane. that's terrible. So yeah, yeah. it means nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I totally agree with you in the sense that uh, I would take Vegas over Petco or Petco, whatever the hell they're called. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited, Graham. Yeah, me too. Getting into it. Yeah, it's been good to talk some baseball. Um, I guess let's take a quick break, hear a word from our friends from DraftKings, and then we'll uh, talk some Hawks and talk about the Hawks without so much uh, – damn somberness even though yes not much has changed so. <laughs> nba fans it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba this week new customers can bet five dollars and win two hundred dollars in free bets instantly plus 
For a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. All right. NBA time. Everybody knows this is a subject I know a lot about this season, so I'm going to recommend a Hawks game, the upcoming Hawks game against the Knicks coming up on Wednesday the 15th. Uh, The Hawks are favored over the Knicks by two and a half points. And while you're probably scratching your head wondering why I'm suggesting you bet on the Hawks, here's some science for you. Atlanta has won 58% of the contests in which it was the favorite this year. So that's some good data. And the Hawks seem to just beat the beat the Knicks. We seem to own these guys. Um, even though we just, uh, you know, are having a mediocre season, Trey Young seems to always step up against the Knicks. So I'm taking the Hawks. They're getting two and a half points. Or excuse me, the Knicks are getting two and a half points. But damn it. Uh, you know, the Hawks got to go over 500 once and they're going to lose their next game. So I think you bet on the Hawks hopefully to beat the Knicks on Wednesday. And they're really good at home as well, Graham. Sure. So here's what you got to do to cash in that very confident bet from Graham here. (laughs) (laughs) Just download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. All right, Adam, let's talk about these Hawks, these very same Hawks we just recommended to bet on. Good God. Um, What are we going to say about these guys, Adam? Again, they're 29 and 29. They're still 500. It had a very, very disappointing loss to the Charlotte Hornets. Why is it always about the Hornets this year? Why can't we beat these guys? Hornets are terrible. These damn Hornets, man. Like, they put up, what, 148 on us? Something like that. 144. I don't know. They're one of the lowest rated, like, offensive uh, efficiency teams in the NBA. Yeah, 144 to 138. Yeah, they're, they're, they're bad. But every team, Adam, has the counterpart that's a lot worse than them that for some reason... They can't seem they, – they play down their their level. You know, for years, the Patriots uh, would always play down the Dolphins' level with Tom Brady, even though they were a lot better than them. And, like, every time they went on the road, the Dolphins would beat them, it seemed like, the last, like, seven or eight years. However, the Patriots also won six Super Bowls. So the Hawks don't really have uh, that excuse to fall back on where it's like, oh, it's just a weird thing that happens every once in a while. It's like, no, this is, this is a problem with the Hornets this year. Well, I mean – it was their defense was just absolutely atrocious last night, and it, it certainly didn't help that you didn't have John Collins in this game. Uh, I think he would have helped on the defensive end for sure. But I mean, it was just like every, they just had open look after open look, especially early in the game. You know, we battled back in this game, like we were down like 17 points a lot, and we like just battled back to within one or two points at the end of the game, and literally just needed one stop. And it was just like the most basic of defense. Like, if you look at the stats, like the Hawks' defense has actually been a little better this year. Like, they're kind of middle of the league, sure. which is the best we can hope for. Yeah. But it always seems like in these late-game scenarios, they just can't get it done. So it'd be like a guy gets picked, 
Guy drives to the hoop. No one helps. No one helps with the shooter on the wing. Yeah. Wide open shooter. Yeah. No problem. Like, it's just like the help defense isn't there, and it's just like not clicking. Can I read out some alarming statistics from this game? Please do. Charlotte's shot 63% from the field. 54%. 54% from three-point range. That's just absurd. We scored 40 in two separate quarters and lost. Yeah, that doesn't happen. No. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of been what we've seen, though. It's like, you know, we beat the Suns and the Spurs. And the Suns had no one. They well, had DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul, and everyone else was like G League players. They're like they're just banged up to hell right Well, now. maybe that's why we beat them. Though. Yeah, we still only beat them by nine points yeah. at home. Yeah, it's just like any time you start to like get a little momentum and get a little excited about them, they throw a dud at you like that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're right. Nothing nothing has really changed. We do have some new players on the team now. Trade deadline came and went. Um, John Collins is here. John Collins is still <laughs> here. And uh, our big get was Sadiq Bay, who came over from Detroit. He's a guy who was like a first-round draft pick a couple of years ago. Uh, pretty good three-point shooter. Yeah, 3 and D wing kind of guy. Averages about 16 points a game or so. You know, he's put up some big numbers. Like, scored I scored mean, 50 at one point. He actually started yesterday against Charlotte and put up like 12 points, but he wasn't ready to start. Like, his, the defense just wasn't there. He didn't know what to do. So that might have well, contributed. Nate McMillan's his coach, so. Apparently, McMillan really hates splitting up units. So instead of, like, subbing Jalen Johnson in for John Collins, he wants to keep him on that second unit. So mm-hmm. he puts Sadiq Bay in there, mm-hmm. who's, like, never played with the Hawks or, like, He's been to two practices, you know? Yeah. Um, but we did bring back a familiar face, Bruno Fernando. Return the king. Who's actually like, that's not a bad play. Like, we need a bruiser. He's been better ever and, since he And, like, he's Hawks. actually, like, yeah, he's developed since he was a Hawk. So, I'm cool with that. And then, what's this guy's name? The shooter, Matthews, maybe? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember if we got anybody else. Yeah. Oh, there's a trade. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. It was it was just kind of like it was it was a sal it was a uh salary cap based move. It doesn't really help anybody. We traded uh Kaminsky and someone else for Justin Turner. Yeah. It was just it Not was Justin just a, Turner, that's the Dodgers. I don't think he played for the Dodgers. No, he played for someone else. But it was it was a salary dump move. That Justin Holiday. Yeah. Yeah, Justin Holiday and uh, Kaminsky for a couple other guys I've never heard of. So it's just like this guy's actually somewhat of a real player. He could like help the bench out. So like, I mean, that's the thing is like our starting five, like when they're clicking, they can go up against any starting five in the league. They're good, yeah. Like they they but they don't click. There's just so much inconsistency. Yeah. Like you look at what DeAndre Hunter has done the last four games, and it's like the epitome of this team. Like I think like he was good last night, twenty something points you know, plus 12 overall. But then, like, two day, two games ago, he went 0 for 9 and had three points. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about another game I watched uh, last week, Adam. And it was one of the games DeAndre Hunter played really well in. It was against Utah at Utah. And Utah's not very good this year. They're very similar to us, a middling 500 team pretty much. But something I was seeing with the Hawks that night inspired hope in me. And they didn't shoot the three-point ball well. I think they only shot like 30-something percent from three. But they were moving the ball. And when three-point shots weren't falling, 
they decided, all right, screw it. We're just going to attack. We're just going to attack the mid-range. We're going to attack the post. And there was a concerted effort to move the ball. It wasn't ISO ball. It wasn't guys standing around doing nothing. They got like 28 assists on the night, which is pretty solid. And people attacked. DeAndre Hunter had one of the, his best games of the year. Went 10 of 15 from the floor, 26 points. Uh, he did a great job. Trey led the charge at 27. Um, DeJounte with 13 and 8, even though he had an off night offensively. Um, he also contributed three steals. It was just a solid team win. Um, Okongu was big off the bench with 15 uh, points and 11 boards. And I really enjoyed watching the game. It was one of these rare Hawks games where I was like, oh my God, we're moving the ball. We're not shooting the three well, but that's okay because we're finding a way to, we're adjusting and finding a way to win by just ball movement, ball movement. It was like quick passes too, man. It was like, I was like, oh my God, what the hell is happening here? This is like a different team. And then it's just like, you just regress and. It's like they buy in and, for a little bit. Yeah, and like then, a game or a few quarters, and then they just can't do that And it looks beautiful. Again. It yeah. looks it looks great for time. I mean, at least like we're coming up to the All-Star break now. I think we've got two more games, but it's like, yeah, I mean, the, still, they've done nothing to no. show me anything is going to no. be different. This is, this is the Hawks. This is the Hawks this year. Nothing's going to change. They're not going to go on a run. Even if you fire McMillan, which they won't because they'll get – Crucified by Greg Popovich again um, for getting rid of uh, McMillan. I mean, all reports are cer- certainly showing that like he's writing it out for this year. Yeah, but then you you need to make some changes. Like, gotta make some changes. Dude, DeAndre Hunter, like, we shouldn't be paying a guy twenty four million dollars to be that inconsistent. No, no, not at all. It's uh, Trey. You know, we've talked about Trey this year and just how bad he's been shooting the three. Uh, you know. His confidence is just like shot it on. It feels that. like he's, but he, he he's like broken, man. He, he still, still does great things. He still will hit them like late, kind of when it like he had a couple huge ones last night to yeah. almost get us back into that yeah. game. But he'll still do his not as much, but he'll still jack up that logo three every once in a while, and it's like why are you even attempting that at this point? Like, but he'll also hesitate now on like ones that he probably should take. It, yes, he and, passes and that's it a up, problem. and he passes it up. Yeah, um, he's still. You know, a great offensive so, player overall. Like, I don't think anyone can deny that, even though he's having a bad year shooting the three. But we need someone who can come in here and develop him. I mean, we we, we talk about Trey Young like he's been in the league forever. Same with John Collins. These guys are both really, really, really young. The core of our team is a very young core that needs to be molded into something that could potentially be a champion. But we need a coach to come in here and a, and a different coaching staff to get the most out of these guys because McMillan doesn't know what to do with them anymore. And he's gone on record before saying he doesn't know how to relate to the, the younger players anymore. But it's not, McMillan's a fossil at this it's point. It's not all McMillan. No, it's not. The players like, also are not doing a great you job. You look at this inconsistency with the yeah, players. It's and... not just McMillan, but he is clearly not the answer. And you, you can't get rid of an entire I, team, but you can't get rid of a coach. I just I cannot stop thinking about Kevin Herter. Did you see that he's in the three-point competition this year can we look up his stats just for fun yeah or i for mean pain so like bogey who is like not had a great year no and like can't play much defense his shot is inconsistent he p- played 31 minutes last night for some reason it was like four of 12 like could still hit threes but like it's like we like if we had hurt her in the bogey role now yeah we'd be okay he's averaging uh close to 15 points he's shooting 39 percent from three-point range very solid this is his best year shooting the three-point ball statistically. Um, not by a lot, but it's still, you know, still hurts to see that. Um, this is his best year shooting from the floor in general, too. 
um, from the from the floor. And just, you know, it's like, and we got rid of him because our owner's cheap. Yeah, I mean that's it. That was the Justin Holiday trade, like who, yeah. who we just traded. We away just traded. Now. We yeah. also this front office also traded five second round picks for Sadiq Bay. Who cares? You could say who cares, but it's also kind of stupid, isn't it? To bring five second-round picks for a guy that's also going to be a free agent in a year and a half or When's something. When's the last time a second-round picks turned into anything? I don't – not with these Hawks. Ben Wallace? But there, there are second-round picks out there that have done well. And it's just like you're giving up five guys for a guy that might not be here another, you know, in, in two years. I don't know. For a team that needs to be – I would still argue. You know, I just said they could be turned to a champion, but I don't think that's – part of me also thinks that's not the case – I would rather blow everything up. I would rather blow everything up than than start bringing in guys acting like we bring in this guy. That'll that'll really put us over the top. You either need to get rid of the coach or blow it up or do both. I would be interested in getting another coach in here if we still can't turn around in like a couple of years and DeJounte Murray wants out. Then you got to blow it up, man. I think that's the next step. Bring a new coach. If it doesn't work, get rid of this core. I also don't think there is no leader on this team. Well, I... I've heard some speculation because um, Bay kind of plays a similar role to what DeAndre Hunter would play. Yeah. So, I mean, that could kind of be like a ship out Hunter after this year. It's pot- potentially, yeah. I mean, like a lot of people, I was checking out the Pistons Reddit. A lot of people said when he is just like a spot up three point shooter and he can just create his own shot, then he's, he's a monster. But when you try to make him try to uh, you know, put the ball in his hands and he has to make a play, not not as good. But if he's just a spot-up three-point shooter, he's lethal. He's absolutely yeah. lethal, apparently, um, from the people that have watched him uh, for the majority of his career. Um, you know, One other thing that really bothers me about Trey is just his inability, and I don't know why I'm jumping back to Trey Young, but his inability to work off the ball. He just stands around. Even in that game that we were actually passing the ball really well against Utah, I noticed every time he didn't have the ball, it's just like he's just sitting by the three-point line. He's not moving around. He's not helping anybody. He's not setting a screen. Just he's just sitting there. Give him credit for his defense getting better. How so? I mean, statistically, it has gotten better, and you you see him battling a lot more for loose balls. He almost had a big steal last night at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Like he's involved a lot more. I haven't. Yeah, I guess I haven't noticed him being like, oh my god, he's the real problem here. He's he's not like a. Uh, what are the doors? We're, the- we're not that much better defensively with him not on the court, right? Which so is like. That was not the case at all. True. So I guess last year. Fair enough. Yeah, he's gotten better with that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's still it's still a frustrating squad to to watch. But I did enjoy the Utah game. I had a, I watched the whole game and I was like, <laughs> you oh, this is fun. You'll always have that Utah. I game. always have that Utah game. Well, it's like the, they set you up. It's like I was kind of excited to watch last night because I knew Bay and Fernando and this other guy whose name I can't remember were all like active now, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, like they just they won a couple good games. I'm gonna get home. Watch that. Turn on the radio. They're down like 15 to Charlotte. I'm like, what the hell? It just like deflates you. Yeah. It's like even when you're like trying to get like excited about watching them, it's nope, nope, nope. We got, we got something for you. Yeah. So. And it's figure. just like losing these games like this. And you can't just like say that it's they aren't getting up for Charlotte. Like the Pistons are equally as bad and we're 3-0 against the Pistons. So I don't know what it is. No. this, this They've got some. I mean. They've got LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward. It's like, why are they this bad? Just the rest of their team. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, it's it's an embarrassing loss for a team that should be competing for a 
top five seed in the in the East. And and those losses, that's what's going to kill you, like down well, absolutely in terms of like one or two seeding places. Yeah, I mean the the you know, we look at the standings here. You know, we're eighth currently as of this recording. Um, twenty nine and twenty nine. Five and five in our last ten. Hilarious. And we're like, you know, we're like four ga- four and a half games back of Brooklyn for the eighth seed. Yet, we were also two and a half games from falling out of the playoff race entirely. So, I mean, the East isn't very good this year outside of, um, I would say, the top four seeds in Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, and Cleveland. Um. So, I mean, there is a chance that the Hawks can kind of maybe go on a run where they can fuck around and maybe get that five seed. I just, I don't see it happening. I really don't. And um, there's a danger if they keep losing games that they shouldn't, uh, particularly on the road, then they could fall out of the playoff race entirely. And honestly, if that happened, how would this front office react to that? Would they go nuclear and just blow it up? Or would they just be like, let's get rid of McMillan? I don't know what they do. They're unpredictable. We have no yeah, idea. I, mean, I think McMillan's gone. There's a shakeup at the end of the year, no matter what. I don't see them falling out of the playoffs. I still think they have too much talent for that. But we'll see. It's, uh, it's a strange. It's not even a strange time. It's just this is just what we're used to. It's kind of like the what the Falcons were the the latter Matt Ryan years, where it's just like God. It's just, it's it's just like a struggle to stay in it. But yeah. we got to stay in it, Adam. We're in it, Graham. We got to stay in it. We've made it through the darkness of not even spring training. Yes. You There's know. something to counterbalance the Hawks now, finally. Thank God. And football's officially over, so offseason shit's going to start cranking up before we know it. Yes. The draft in April. And, free, uh, agency free agency. Hitting. Yep. So, yeah, there'll be plenty of football to talk about, too. Hey, I've, I've got a quick PSA, for, not, not just for you, Graham, but for everybody. Mm. This is the Atlanta Pothole watch if you were driving down eastland road which is a pretty dark fast moving road there is the gnarliest pothole right in front of my neighbor's yard here does it is it worse than anything on the cab avenue yeah it's oh, a, you know why it happened as well why the city was out here you know because i sit here overlooking the window and kind of sure. just spying on people all day when yeah. i work and uh, like Darth Vader staring out the Star Destroyer. <laughs> exactly. <kind of> yeah. <laughs> um, they were here like doing some utility work, and like we see them out there with like a backhoe, and they're lifting up the biggest chunk of concrete. I don't know what the hell they were doing, but they're like trying to break it. I don't think they succeeded, so they just like put a bunch of gravel. Sure. In place of this, like, I mean, it's literally like a foot and a half deep. I'm surprised they didn't just put a plate on there and call it a day. They should. Like, we need a plate, Bo. So like. Th- I, they thought it was gonna be okay for the weekend, and then just like throughout the night, I would just start hearing, thrum, thrum, and it's like this on Saturday and whatnot. Saturday, yeah. Sunday, just people getting drilled, and then I go out there, and there's like wheels everywhere. Wheels. And I talked to some guy who's out there like taking a picture of it. There's wheels, like loose wheels on the road, like hubcaps everywhere. Oh my god. Yeah, this this poor bastard. He's had these. He said he's had these same rims for ten years. Never had a pothole taken like this one. So the city of Atlanta shows up today. I was like, nice. They're going to take care of it. Like, I was taking my garbage out like 8 a.m., see him pull up like like he was on a mission. I was like, nice. So he must be the guy like setting things up for the crew coming in. He put a cone in it. 
and, and left and left. That's amazing. <laughs> and the, the uh, cone didn't last long. It's not in place anymore. So I'm going to be on cone duty all week if you need me. Wow. Trying to save some people's cars. Good God. Well, but yeah, be careful if you turn right out of here. All right. Well, I won't be doing that tonight. Thank you yep. for the uh, the info. <laughs> yes. And that, I think, wraps up this episode of Atlanta Zone. I think we have returned to form, and uh, we will continue to retain this form as we move forward. We want to thank you all for listening. Hope you're doing well. Um, hope you're having a very, very fine Valentine's Day wherever you are. Until next week, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.